Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Axe Church Podcast. This season will be a little different from the previous two seasons in that it will be an archive of sermons and Bible studies from the past several years. We see this as an opportunity to create a source for learning, a library of study that you can tune into and listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. Our hope is that you will learn and grow in your relationship with God and receive the revelation of truth. God bless, and we hope you enjoy. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you brought your Bibles? Grab your Bible. I want you to hold your Bible for a moment. This is the most important thing in your life. Amen? You need to form a bond with your Bible. It needs to be opened every day. Every day you need to open your Bible and read it. Don't miss one day. You miss one day, it's easy to miss two days. Every day you need to read the Word of God. You need to form such a bond with it. You need to fall in love with the Word of God. The the, the Word of God builds a wall around my soul. Amen? Uh, We're we're talking about prayer. We're going to continue talking about prayer, but I want to try to approach it a little bit different today uh, and, and try to... Um, dovetail it in or bind it together if I can with the power of the Word of God. And um, if, if, if you don't love God, how many of you here feel like that you love God? I want to ask you a question. If, if you was to win the lottery... How many of you here would like to win the lottery? Papa said if he found a ticket on the ground, he'd get it. What if, let's just dream for a moment, shall we? Can we just daydream together just a moment? What if you won, uh, if you, you was walking along in Walmart parking lot and you found a lottery ticket. You picked the ticket up and put it in your pocket and it happened to win and the prize for the lottery was $25 million. Wouldn't that be great? I want to ask you something. If you won that $25 million and uh, they called you up to get that winning, uh, bring your winning ticket and you got to the lottery place, whatever, wherever it's at, and you get to get your money, and they tell you, okay, you can take the direct payout right now of, of uh, after taxes, you'll get, you know, $250,000. <laughs> Say you got the direct payment after taxes, you got $10 million. $10 million is now yours. <clears throat> if you took that check and brought it to the church... And you gave all $10 million to the church. Did not keep a dime of the money. Do you think that God would honor that? I want to ask you something. Do you think that would impress God? 
Well, I disagree with you. I think that impressed God. I think God would be impressed. I know. I, let me ask you this. If, if, if your neighbor sitting next to you did that, would you be impressed? I would. If somebody got $10 million, if Amanda got $10 million and she brought all $10 million of it and gave it to the church, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd be impressed. I'm pretty sure God would too. But you know what impresses God more than that? Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice every time. God is always impressed with obedience. The only way we're going to know to obey and know what to obey is to have a relationship with this right here. If you don't read this, you don't know what the rules are. You don't know where the boundary lines are. If you're not familiar with this, you don't know what God expects of you. You don't know what pleases God. You don't know what he desires from you. So how on earth do you expect to live a life that is pleasing to God and makes God happy if you don't take time to read your Bible? If all you can get and your walk with God is just what you get at church on Sunday, you've got a lot of gaps in your walk with God. This is where it's at, folks. Prayer, daily prayer. We're talking about prayer, and we're going to continue. I'm going to be teaching a series here on morning prayer. Some of you have heard some of it. I've added to it, but we're going to be talking about daily devotional morning prayer. But today I want to talk about Praying in the Word and having the Word and every day, daily devotional Word, having a time of, of, of fellowship and communion with God, allowing the Word of God to penetrate your heart, to convict your heart, to, to, you got to fall in love with this right here. If you don't fall in love with this, you can forget making heaven. It ain't happening. You gotta fall in love with this that it does not matter. You gotta love it so much that it does not matter what it tells you to do. You're willing to do it to make Jesus happy. If it, if you flipped over there and in first Hezekiah chapter one and verse four, it told you to get in a barrel and go over Niagara Falls. That you would do that. How many of you ever read that in first Hezekiah chapter one? Some of you are just now getting that. There is no Hezekiah. <clears throat> I want to share something with you that I felt so heavy, heavy on my heart. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah. Now, I know that we don't have a whole lot of time for Sunday school, and I don't want to uh, uh, go too slow, but I, I, want to, I want to go very, very, very slow and methodical and and share with you let's talk about history just for a moment Ezra and Nehemiah go together hand in glove they're they're really matter of fact in the Tanakh in the old uh, uh, Jewish um, canon you have um, it's really first 
Ezra and 2nd Ezra. They were divided later, but uh, Ezra and Nehemiah are contemporaries, and uh, it is chronological uh, order of the, the exodus out of Babylon, okay? When God delivered Israel out of Egypt, they had been in bondage for 400, some 400 plus years. And God left them in bondage in Egypt for a long, long time. And then he sent a deliverer, Moses, and delivered them with a mighty hand. 400 plus years is a long time to be in bondage. After 400 years, let me ask you something. If, if we were to fall, the United States was to fall into bondage to another nation. If we was to come, they was to come capture us and we was to fall into bondage. After 400 years, what do you think our identity would be? We're losing our identity and we, <laughs> we ain't even been captured by anybody. The America that, that I was born into is not the America of today. 40 years difference, it's a different society altogether. We're losing our identity. And yet Israel was able to stay in Egypt, in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years, yet retain their identity. Now, we're still talking about prayer. I want to stay focused on prayer. And I'm not chasing rabbit trails. I'm trying to prove some major important points in your life. 400 plus years, they're in bondage in Egypt, yet they remain a separated people. Because they lived in Goshen, though in slavery, they lived in Goshen and the Egyptians stayed separate from them. When they were delivered, God gave them the promised land. They divided it out. They did great for a while. And then they kept displeasing God until finally God got so aggravated with them that he put them back into bondage again. This time it was not Egypt, Egyptian bondage. This time it was Babylonian bondage. The Babylonians came in and conquered them, and they went and carried them away into captivity. And now then they are slaves to the Babylonian kings, and God could only leave them there for 70 years. And at the end of 70 years, they begin an exodus out. God moves on the heart of the king to, to start moving them out, and then Ezra leads the march back. Ezra is a priest. And they go back and build the temple. And then Nehemiah falls after them. He's a cupbearer to the king. And Nehemiah comes after it and he builds the walls of Jerusalem. Now, why is all that important and what does that have to do with prayer? What that has to do with prayer is this. The only, the reason why that God can only leave them in bondage in Babylon, in Babylon for 70 years, that's one generation. One generation. They were in bondage in Egypt for almost 490 years. That's almost seven. Seven times seven is 490. A full seven completion generations almost was in, in Egypt, and yet they retained their identity. But in, in Babylon, they can only stay there one generation. Why? Because they were interracial marrying with them. They were dwelling with them. They were taking on Babylonian ways. They were losing their Israeli Jewish identity, and so God had to get them out of that environment. 
Babylon is way more dangerous than Egypt. Now, let me share with you the spiritual ramifications of that. When you are born, when we are born, we're born in sin. That is a typology of Egypt. Egypt is symbolic of the world. So we are born basically enslaved to sin. So God has to deliver us out of Egyptian bondage. And through a great and mighty hand, God delivers us out of Egyptian bondage and brings us into the promised land. But if we don't live a life pleasing to God, then we can be sold into Babylonian bondage, which is way more dangerous than Egypt ever thought about being because the way of a transgressor is hard. Transgressors are worse than sinners because transgressors know what is right and they don't do it. So why? what does that have to do with prayer? I want you to picture your life as Israel. I want you to picture your life as Jerusalem. I want you to picture your walk with God as the city of Jerusalem. The Bible tells us, know ye not that you, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the tabernacle of God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so we are the spiritual Jews. We are the spiritual tabernacle. We're the spiritual temple. And I want you to picture how you are in a relationship with God. All of us here have been called out of Egypt. There's one a call going forth to get us out of Egypt. But now I want you to picture trying to live a life without prayer and without the Word on a daily basis. Now, let's go to Nehemiah. I want to show you something. Ezra has built the temple, okay? Um, He's done his best to build the temple, to rebuild the temple. Solomon had built it, and then it was destroyed, and Ezra has tried his best to rebuild it. Now then, let's go to Nehemiah chapter number 1. Verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of... Of Hekeliah. And it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the twentieth year as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews. Now Ezra has done went to Jerusalem, and they done went back and, and tried to start building the temple again. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open. He begins to pray. Now, I want you to picture, if I can, uh, I want to try to draw this for you. You can, you, can, you can see what I'm talking about. 
Now, how, how many times, uh, y'all are going to get tickled when I start to draw this, but how many times have y'all seen me draw, draw this right here? Huh? What, what, what is, what, what, what? Tabernacle, that's right. All right, so th- this, this right here would be the, 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 the what? The, the, the soul area, that's the holiest of holies. And this right here is the what? The spirit, very good, very good. And this right here would be the what? Okay, bodies, soul, and spirit. You have the holy place, the holiest of holies. See, everything's relative to this, but, but well, let's take it one step further. What, where was this temple built? In the city of Jerusalem. In the city of peace. Okay? Now, now Ezra goes back and he builds this. Okay? He builds this back and, 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 uh, he's trying to restore the spirituality of Israel. He's a priest and, and, and God has moved upon the king, the Babylonian king at that. And, and he sends Ezra back to build the temple. And, and, and I've got to hurry because I want to try to prove my point before I, uh, I, I, we dismiss. So he, he goes to build and he gets this. This, this is restored to, to somewhat degree, not completely, but there, this is restored. And, 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 but the, the word goes back and Nehemiah now, he's the cupbearer to the king. And, and Nehemiah asks, he said, hey, tell me, how, how's Ezra and the boys doing? How are they making out? Those that, 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 that escaped from here and made it back home and, and that are trying to rebuild. And tell me about the remnant that's left of our people. And tell me about what's going on. And, and the reply comes to Nehemiah says, well, you know, they're, 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 they're being afflicted. Well, why are they being afflicted? Why, well, I thought, I thought that because they're deliberated and because they're set free and because the spiritual side of things is being restored, I thought everything would be hunky-dory. But he said, no, 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 they're being afflicted. Why? Why are they being afflicted? I mean, they've built the temple. God's with them. Surely everything's going to be all right. Here's why they're being afflicted. Because Jerusalem don't have any walls. There's no protection. And because there's no walls, anybody can come in. Anybody can come in and afflict them. Um, You better stay with me. Just because the spirit has been restored does not mean you cannot be afflicted by an outside evil spirit unless you take time to build some wall. A city without walls will never rule. A city without walls will never have authority. A city without protection, what good is it to restore the seven golden candlesticks and the table of showbread and the, and the, and the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant? What good is it to restore all these if there is no protection for this and anybody can come break in and steal it away at any given moment? That's why it's important to have daily devotional prayer and Bible study. Because every morning when I get up, the first thing I grab is this right here. Why? 
because I want to build some walls around what God has given to me in the supernatural realm. It's not good enough for me just to have the Holy Ghost. It's not good enough for me just to be baptized in Jesus' name. It's not good enough for me just to have repented of my sins. It's not good enough for me to just have the joy of the Holy Ghost in my life. I have got to maintain those things in my life. And the only way I'm going to maintain that is to build walls around me that will protect that that God has given to me from the attack of the enemy. And so how am I going to do that? Well, when I pick up this word and I begin to read through its pages and it tells me, Anthony, don't set any evil thing before your eyes. And I abide by that. Then that is a huge wall that I built that the enemy can't come in by by letting me look at something I shouldn't look at and steal away what God gave to me. If you don't have a separation value, if you don't have a separation point between you and the world, it does not matter what God has given to you already if you don't have any protection. So we've got to have daily communication with heaven. I haven't even started my notes. But anyway, we'll continue on uh, Wednesday night.